0: Two
1: tipsy, Breakout music. It's Lagos, evil boy. Dain organ, flock and fire, flock and fire. Hold up, can I get a minute? I want to talk something that I really mean. Can I be your gentleman? Make I be your gentleman? Hold up, can I get a minute? Be Your Gentleman Make every Be Your Gentleman Okay.
2: Mont city rush, ghetto crush. Pull over, Mr. Iceman, man. Let me lick on the substitute of this chaotic life I choose. Oh yeah, Mr. Pullover. Oh yeah, let's me over, cool no.
3: been thinking about learning how to get into a new career, dealing with podcasting, online radio, streaming radio, all the different names out there, you want to try out my friends at Anchor. That's www.anchor.fm. They, will, they give you the best of everything for podcasting, especially people who just started now. Unlimited free hosting, which means you don't pay for it. One-click distribution. And this one quick distribution gets you to all the major players out there. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, every platform out there. Anchor does all the work. Monetization for podcasts, something new that Anchor has just bought on. If you want your listeners out there listening to you, and they love listening to you, how do make a donation? That's Anchor. And you can record from everywhere. Anchor www.anchor.fm Check it out. You won't forget it. This is G.E. Shaw, Mixar Our Radio. See you later.
4: Are you an independent musician? How would you like to have your songs played on hundreds of radio stations just like the one you're listening to right now? Join MusicSubmit.com, and we'll promote your music to radio stations and blogs in your genre. It's free to set up your account, and we guarantee your music will be considered for airplay by radio stations worldwide. Why not sign up today? It's free. MusicSubmit.com, radio promotion for indie musicians.
3: Hello there. Guys out there, women out there, everybody in Pierce County, Seattle, 253 area, or across the world. This is Dickie Shaw, and this is Mixar Radio tonight. We're going to have Ronnie DeShay in here talking, and we're going to have an interesting discussion tonight. We also have the rain, my daughter. She's happened to show up tonight, so we might get her to entice her in some conversation, too. But we're here, and this is our Radio tonight. Be back. This is Hold Me Close.
5: To the evening Bitch smile, cute face, no cheesing Every time that I would smile She would smile back Big round eyes caught me Looking from a wild bat. She don't even know that She is pretty as f*** man I would stop time Just to give her my love then I don't even know If I can ever stay in focus Looking at her body Walking past, overdosing Oh black with not work for your on And this amount of money That we can feed on You're a uptown girl It's a uptown one Let me show you what I'm made of Touch me Hold me close to you I'm running away with you. Close me Hold me
3: Damn it. Okay, people out there, there was a slight mistake, but I'm here now. <laughs> we will just talk that up to technical difficulties, but this is G.E. Shaw, I have Ryan DeShay here, and on today's show, we're going to be looking at Mr. Trump, some of the social ramifications that's going on uh... we're gonna be talking about Elizabeth Warren who seems to be the one that's rising to the top for the cream of the crop for the democratic party for 2020 elections and her message to Mr. Trump plus we're gonna look at the federal workers that are on furlough the ones that been impacted by the partial government shutdown, and actually it seems to be lingering on longer than a lot of people had anticipated, and it's impacted a lot of other things out there. But guess what? If you have a comment and you want to talk about it, you can reach me at 253-330-6134. That's 253-330-6134, and... You can text me at that number. And some of the other stuff that's going on, when we get deep into it, you can talk to Ronnie. Because she would have plenty to say about that. But <laughs> we will get to that in a minute. Like I said before, part of the problem we got going on in this social landscape right now is, I don't know where we going here in 2019, I don't know where we headed in 2020, for all practical purposes, I think we living in some scary times, that's me personally, so like I said before, if you have a comment, you can reach us here at Spreaker Network on G.E. Shaw and our Radio tonight, you can also Tweet to Miss Ronnie DeShay As Ronnie as Ronnie Correct?
6: Well Yeah they can tweet to me But you know I probably wouldn't see it at this point We don't have a hashtag yet
3: <laughs> We are working on that We are working on that I actually do have hashtags But I just don't have them Working the way I want them to work yet But I am working on that and as soon as that's up, we'll have that working too. Okay, so here's the thing that's going on right now and that's trending right now. So I'm just going to read them all and then we're going to go from there. We have the American anchor for Iranian TV who has been arrested on a visit to the U.S., I kid you not. American anchor for Iranian TV is arrested on a visit to the U.S. That's trending.
6: an American anchor?
3: American anchor for Iranian TV is arrested on visit to the U.S.
6: Okay, so he was born in America and he's now over in Iran uh, being an anchor on a TV
3: program. Do I get this right? That's right. That's, I'm okay. just reading it from it what's trending right now in America right now, what's going on. But yeah, that's what it sounds like. And the picture I'm looking at, it looks like it's a female Iranian TV anchor. But I can go back into that and do some research in, in a minute. But I'm just reading everything that's trending right now. The, right, Demo- right. the Democrats urges Trump. To delay the State of the Union Address until the government reopens. That's number three. Number four shows that the polls show that the federal workers don't prefer a border wall to getting paid. I'm going to say that again. The American federal workers don't prefer a border wall to getting paid. It shouldn't surprise anybody out there, but then again, we might oh, have some—we no. might have some people out there that are surprised by that. But if you have any questions about that, have any responses to it, let me know. Like I said, this is going to be an interesting show tonight.
6: Well, that's one of those, you know, big picture versus little picture things. I mean, on a personal note, I'm in favor of the wall. But if somebody told me that I was not going to get my social security because of the wall, you know, big picture, yeah, we need a wall. Small picture, I need my money. So, you know, of course they they would rather get paid. Who wouldn't rather get paid? We have bills we have to pay. We have rent we have to pay. Of course we need our income. The wall is a big picture thing. It doesn't affect us directly. Not having a paycheck does. So, of course, they want their checks.
3: Well, there's a couple more things on that, that we'll be talking about. And the fifth thing that's trending right now is Manchin calls Pelusa's request, you know, about stopping the wall until everything else gets taken care of and the postponement of it, the wrong thing to do. Because Nancy Pelusa asked Donald Trump to postpone the State of the Union address while shutdown continues. She's basically saying is sending the wrong message that the walls basically more important than United States citizens who work in America. But we'll get to that and more. Excuse me. So. Before I move on, do you have any comments to make on any of these things before I start breaking down some of this other stuff, Ronnie?
6: Well, no. I mean, the only real comment that I wanted to make was on the thing about paycheck or wall, but I think that's kind of self-explanatory. I don't think anybody would question why they would rather have their checks. Well... I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer.
3: Well, it might be a no-brainer, but evidently they ain't getting paid.
6: Well, no, they're not getting paid. But what I'm saying is, if you ask them, would you rather have a wall or would you rather get paid, of course they'd rather get paid. That's what I meant when I said it was a no-brainer.
3: But see, here's the thing. Once they started talking about the furlough and they started talking about the partial U.S. shutdown of government entities out there and workers that run these facilities and departments call me paranoid or whatever you want. I saw that coming. Because now what you're doing we talking about divisiveness. You are now choosing long term solution, which is right. I understand what y'all saying. I understand what people how people feel. And I understand, to a certain degree, why we should do this. But I also understand, to a certain degree, why I don't want it done. But, I would talk about that. If anybody wants to ask questions about it, I'd be glad to give you my two cents. And piss you off even more. But, (laughs) speaking about the furlough again. This is what's going on right now. First of all, I do not believe that they expected this to last this long. I honestly thought that this would be like maybe a you know week, two week shutdown. Cause it's not like we never had this before, okay? There has been occasions at different times throughout the history of our presidents. And, you know, during the election years and all this good stuff, bad stuff, whichever way you want to look at it, the pros and cons, the consequences behind it, we have had these issues before. But some of the issues we have had before were validated on some kind of substance that, you know, for one thing, uh, a little while back, and I can't remember which era that was in, but there was a, Shut down, I think, lasted two weeks because the federal government was trying to get their, basically, their house in order again. Uh, as far as the Treasury Department, the funding, then we was in debt to a lot of different countries out there, which still founds me how we became indebted to third world countries. But hey, um, I'll leave that for a different day. But the point I'm getting across is... We dealt with problems like this before. But... Not on a level where... It's impacting us. American citizens. People who live here in the United States. One of the most powerful countries in the world. How it's impacting us. Because you are making decisions. And to me, that's why I feel like. That you are arbitrarily... Making decisions... For us, on what you consider is more important. You are saying that I want to get my wall built, and the hell with everybody else. They will get their funding once Congress and everybody get together, and the Democratic, you know, Palooza, and the House party leader get together and say, hey, we want to help you, Trump. We want to do this because we feel that it's right. And then once we get that done, we will go back and take care of our workers out there who's been working. And some of them has been working there for like in these different departments or wherever throughout the country for more than 15, 20 years. Got families, have mortgages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll come back and take care of that. But here's my question to that, and to you, Uh, my little angel or little demon on the sides of my shoulders here. Here's here's my question to you and to everybody else out there. We know people are out there... uh, Finding side jobs, and I'll tell you about some of the side jobs I came across when I was reading different uh, news, newspapers, and headlines across different networks. But in regards to paying individuals and taking care of that process, what happens to the ones if they if this thing continues on for any longer than three weeks? What happens to the ones that get? Caught up in mortgage payments that are backlogged, okay. That they get behind by one or two or three months. Is Mr. Trump gonna exercise his presidential powers and enact something to get him back paid that's gonna cover all this? Um, and I'm not talking about the back pay that they rightfully deserve, you know, like with banking systems and. We all know that the government knows all about that. The Treasury Company, they got their pockets hands and hands in there. They're good friends.
1: you know. They, I'm not going to say they're sleeping with each other, but they're good friends
3: and everything. They know what's going on. So what's going to happen when these mortgages get behind? Are they going to basically compensate for that, saying, hey, don't worry about it. We'll let you slide for three or four months. Because I know when I was in trouble, it didn't work for me. They didn't say, "Hey, Greg, don't worry." We, you, I know you guys. I know you had some issues. I know you had a medical problem. I know things happened. So you know what? We're gonna take care of you. They didn't do that for me. They didn't do that for a lot of people out there when they had that predicated, predator, excuse me, um, loans out there where they was basically uh, preying on other people, unsuspected people who were getting these houses. They didn't help them. And speaking of that, Trump basically has, over a period of the time he's been in, which has been over, what, a year and a half, I think we said, going on two years in term in office, has tried to repeal every law or act that Obama had put in place. Okay. And one of the housing things was one of them. But my point is who's going to take care of that? If that happens and this furlough or this partial shutdown goes on longer than expected. Who's going to take care of that? What's your what's your opinion on that?
6: Well, I'll tell you, when I was when I was young, my father worked uh here in town at a book boundary. and as you can probably guess, there were a few months between school letting out and school starting up again when the bindery had very little work. Um, and then about um, August, they would the, the schools would start sending all of their textbooks in to get bound and redone and recovered and all of this. But usually Dad was out of work for two or three months every year. And it wasn't easy because we were not a wealthy family to begin with. Um, My father was, I think, making probably just a little bit over minimum wage back then. Um, So we, we, we didn't have a lot of savings. We didn't have a lot of money. And every year when he was laid off, it was just kind of we knew this was coming and we just kind of scaled everything back as best we could. And there's a lot of jobs like that where people get laid off on a regular or semi regular basis. And so I think it doesn't matter what job you have, there's always the chance that your business could go under or you could get laid off for whatever reason. My father's business eventually closed and left him at, how was he? He was in his 60s, I think, late 60s at that point. Um, and he was suddenly without a job. Uh, So, you know, I mean, there's no guarantee, no matter what job you have, that you're going to keep working. That's a fact. I think it's loudly what has happened to these people. I do, and I think it could easily have been prevented. But it's just, it's it's one of those things. And I mean, if they worked for any place else and were put on on a layoff for who knows how long, we wouldn't be having this discussion but it's because it's the government that everybody seems to think that everybody's supposed to have all these answers for it. I'm not saying that, you know, the shutdown is the right thing because I absolutely do not think so. I'm against that, and I pity these poor people who now are not getting paychecks. But what I'm saying is when you take a job, you never know for how long that job is going to be there. It's just something you kind of sort of have to... Try to deal
3: with when it happens. Okay. Understood. But here's the thing. First of all, my question is to you. When your dad got laid off, was this a normal, regular thing that happens every year? Or was it just something that just came up all of a sudden?
6: Well, It pretty much happened every year past, you know, the first time. But the first time it happened, it was definitely a surprise. It was not expected. Um, And then it, it, it was not regular after that because there were some years where he worked straight through. There were a lot of years where he didn't because it all depended on, you know, how much the schools were sending their books in to get redone, because, you know, wear and tear. Right, But
0: like
6: so that there. Was, there were a lot of years, though, where he got laid off, so it was one of those things where we kind of expected it. And I know where you're going with this, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, whether it's something that happens every year, every couple of years, or whether it just happens once or twice in your career, it, it really doesn't – it's not all that different, because any job you take – there's been a lot of jobs that I've had over the years where I've been told to go home because they just didn't have enough work for me. And I sat home for three or four days, a week, two weeks, until they finally decided to bring me back in, you know, and my choices at that point, were do I quit this job and look for something else? Or do I write it out? Sometimes I wrote it out. Sometimes I said, you know, this is just not working for me. And I, put in my formal resignation, and went look for something else. But those are choices that you have to make when something like this happens. I know that a lot of these people are still going in and working, even though they're not getting paid, and I commend them for that. And I'm hoping that if they're still going and putting in their time, that when everything cranks back up again, I'm hoping that they get paid for that time that they've went in and worked. Um, and I, I get the logic behind that because you know, what are you going
3: to do? You just keep working and hope that you get reimbursed when everything starts again. Okay. See, yes, you know where I might be going with that, but there's one thing that I do have an issue with, and I'm going to tell you why I say that. First of all, we are used to, like I said before in the past, of having government shutdowns for whatever reason. But majority of the time with these government shutdowns, you know about it in advance. So it's not like, oh my God, they're going to do this now. The problem I have with this particular government shutdown, partial shutdown, is, number one, this is something that easily could be avoided. It's not like there's no ways out of this. There's no compromise. There's nothing that's preventing them from doing this. It's, like you said, it's simple, clear-cut to me. Delay the worries of building a freaking wall. Now, I'm saying freaking for some, and replacing it with something else, but um, freaking wall and deal with the priorities right now that's present. And those priorities are dealing with... American people and their families, etc., etc., etc. That's what you should be looking at. You know, because there's differences between certain types of consequences. You knew, or you should have known, I'll put it that way, that if you are waiting and using this as a bargaining piece which is what I think you're doing, uh, to get that funding for the wall, and you and your bargaining piece basically is the American people, then I don't know what type of president you really are. A nun, well, I already said the guy was a nun-caring person, so it's not like that's shocking to anybody, but he takes the word cold out of the picture because he's like Mr. Freeze he just don't care period. Number two is the fact that you're not just impacting and I'm telling you this right now, if this goes on a little bit longer than that it's not just impacting those individuals who are working in the government or in charge of certain things that impacts also the American people and the social structure that we have. It's a trickle-down effect. Sooner or later, it's going to get down to the other working-class individuals and everybody else out there that has some, some type of attachment to the government in one way or the other. And that's where the problem is I have too. Because you ain't just impacting your government employees. You're also impacting regular civilians out there. And mark my word, if this don't get fixed, we're going to be answering for this. We're going to be the ones that's going to be dealing with all this. And then... There going be a whole lot of problems going on, and it goes back to this. Why come this guy isn't impeached yet? Please tell me, why has he not been impeached? Let me spell this out to you. I-M-P-E-A-C-H, impeached. That's the act where you come together and you say, you've been a naughty dad. You need to leave. Okay? That's what that is. I'm being very politically correct. I'm not going to go into all the necessary legalities of it, but the fact of the matter is, Daddy did a wrong thing, and Daddy should pay.
6: So now, what is it you're saying that was wrong again?
3: <laughs> uh, Which part?
6: Well, you just said Daddy did a wrong thing. What oh. wrong thing are you referring to?
3: Well, Daddy kept mommy and his kids from being fed when daddy could have had another option in taking care of this until okay, everything but, has been but done But
6: you're, you're putting the whole thing about the shutdown on Trump but I'm not defending the man but what I'm saying is you know there's there's three sides to every story there's this side that side and what's in the middle you know and realistically speaking yes Trump is largely responsible for the shutdown but so is everybody else.
3: So, you know... So, you're saying that the Democratic Party and everybody else should cave in and give Trump what he wants. Then he can go back and allow the workers to get paid again and go back to work.
6: What I'm saying is that if the situation is so extreme that we now have a government shutdown. What I'm saying is that prior to that happening, the communication should have been a little bit more flexible. It should have been a little bit more communicative. But I'm just saying that there's two sides to this story, and I don't think that you can blame it all on Trump because the Democrats are responsible for part of it.
3: Okay. See here's where man, you are gonna,
6: gonna say they uh-oh. should have changed. Well my thing is Trump went into this into his election saying I want to build a wall. This is something he's been saying since he was campaigning. This is not a surprise to anybody. And considering how much money we spend, we the government spend every year on stuff that really isn't all that important. I don't think that what he's asking for his wall is that extreme.
3: Okay. See, here's the thing I'm going to have a problem with. I know he's been hollering about that wall. That was one of his big deals in his campaign. Right. But I didn't vote for the idiot. Because I knew that was going to be a problem. Okay. All these Republicans out there that's running around and some of the defectives from the Democratic Party that's running around saying, oh, this was such a great idea, was only looking at one thing, okay? They were looking at what and how it's going to impact them, their families, and their pockets. Now, the crap is hitting the wall, and we are in some serious... Okay, we got some serious problems going on right now. And to to a point where it worries me. And I don't get worried or scared too easy. But this one is kind of bothering me. Okay. If anybody else out there wants to talk about this or have their own opinions, please, just Text me at 253-330-6134. And if we don't get to you before the show is over with, you can contact me at Gregory. I'll uh, give you my full name. That's scary. Gregory Upshaw <laughs> underscore BP at live.com. That's Gregory G-R-E-G-O-R-Y-U-P-S-H-A-W underscore V-P at Live, L-I-V-E, dot com. Or you can call or email us at our main website address, which is, excuse me, G-E-Upshaw at gmail.com. That's the one that goes directly to the website. If Ronnie wants to give you hers, I'll let her do that. If not, we'll continue on with this show, and I'll be back in five minutes. This is Hold Me Close.
5: I don't want to go to you. I don't want you go to me. I don't want to ever go through this, it's never in your heart Would you ever come back to me, like from the start Would you ever leave this town and run away with me, Every time that I would smile, she would smile back. Big round eyes caught me looking from a wild bat. She don't even know that she is pretty as f man. I would stop time just to give her my love then. I don't even know if I can ever stay in focus. Looking at her body walking past overdosing. Oh but god, don't work for cheese on And endless amount of money that we can feed on. You're an uptown girl, it's an uptown one. Let me show you what I mean. close to you i'm running away from you
4: through my mind the peace of the dream
3: And history class, and political science classes. But outside of that, I was just talking to Ronnie off. You know, we have the sidebar there how there's some of these workers out there that's on furlough and part of the partial shutdown. Those out there shoveling snow as I, you know, some of the odd jobs out there just to try to help keep, you know, their house payments down or take care of their families or friends or whatever they got to do. And I said to myself, shoveling snow? What do you mean shoveling snow? I said, oh, man. We are still in wintertime. I keep forgetting that. Because I live in the Pacific Northwest, hey, pick your poison. You don't know when the storm's going to come. We might get a couple of inches, and when a couple of inches hit the ground, oh, my God. The system slows to a crawl. I, I, you know, just two inches of snow. I guarantee you, shutdowns will start occurring. It's not like in the Midwest where you're getting three or four feet of snow and reliving the days that my parents always tell me. I'm pretty sure you heard the same stories. Boy, don't you know, we didn't have a car. We didn't have all these fancy cars. I had to walk through three and a half feet of snow every day to go to school. You better get your butt out there in that snow. That snow ain't gonna bite you. I'd be like, well, dad, it's kind of cold outside. Boy, if you don't get that coat on and get your butt out that door. So I'm like, okay, I understand. I understand. But come on. You got guys out here that go to the mountains on a regular basis. You would think they would know everything about how to drive in the snow and everything else. But man, it's like this. I got a four-wheel drive, man. I got a four-wheel drive. I can drive on anything. Even Black Ice. I don't care. I got a four-wheel drive. Next thing you know, old boy out there is in the ditch somewhere and took out three other cars too. And I don't think I'm looking at it like, yeah man, yeah. You got a four wheel drive. You can go anywhere. Not. Okay. Enough of that. I was just, like I was saying before, I just forgot about the fact that it was winter time and most of these individuals were out there on the East Coast line. So I can understand that. And then you had the ones that were doing dog walking. And I talked to my daughter a little while back on that. That's a pretty popular thing going on. Uh, walking dogs, you know, and they make a lot of money at that. So, hey, I might go into that business then if the dog don't kill me first. But outside of that, I still believe we in for some rough times. And I um, still... Absolutely. And I still believe, Mr. Trump, you need to stop repealing everything Obama did. Obama didn't go out there repealing everything that Bush did. So what the heck are you doing? Please, think about what you're doing. Seriously. If you can't become a more humanitarian, then go talk to somebody. In your family or in the administration. Oh, that's right. I can't say administrative office because half of your administration and cabinet walked out the door. So we don't know who's in there right now giving you advice. My bad. My mistake. But I know it was kind of sarcastic, wasn't it? Well, you my conscience, remember? My little angel on the other side. Okay. All right. Let's continue. I like most
6: of what I have to say
3: about that, so... <laughs> okay. So, we'll keep on going. One other comment I wanted to make was uh, Elizabeth Warren on the Trump problem and the silent treatment that Trump is giving to the Democratic Party. This is what she's... Somewhere, I'm paraphrasing this. With all the... And, and she's going back... Because, you know, we still get the Mueller thing going on. We still trace a lot of facts that Trump knew a lot of things that was going on pre-election. And he's trying to cover his behind. Okay, a lot of people out there thinking. So I'm not the only one that's thinking that. Um, But here's her point. She said, but all the anti-corruption. that's more anti-corruption, basically, with the Trump administration. And the worst since, you know what we're going to say, right? Watergate. Yeah. And she's put that on that level to say one thing. Why come he's not impeached yet? I say the same thing. This is G.E. Shaw. This is Mixed Our Radio tonight. Got Ryan DeShay here and in and out the Raven, my daughter. But, hey, I guess... She got mad, too, because she left. So, we'll continue on. Is there anything you want to say first, right before we get into some of the fun stuff? Do you consider it to be fun? I don't know.
6: <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just, you keep saying, why isn't Trump impeached? As many people want him to be impeached, I would have to say that if there was legitimate grounds that they thought they could do it, they would have done it. So, I'm guessing... The answer to that question would be that they just don't have enough yet.
3: Well, I think they do. I think they're scared of the guy.
6: And that could be too.
3: I I mean, this is
6: not the first time we've had a president that people have been afraid to cross.
3: Yeah, but see, here's the thing. I don't put Trump on the same level or in the same intelligent level as Nixon. I just don't. And I think Nixon was more, uh, much more intellectually charismatic individual than Trump. And like I said, I men, you uh, talked about it before many times. The only thing that got Nixon in the Watergate trouble and got him impeached was his arrogance, and he didn't know when to stop. Okay, he finally crossed too many people and pissed them off I just don't think and I know for a fact Trump's pissed off a lot of people I know that, I mean come on
0: Mm -hmm.
3: let's face facts you don't have a mass exodus of your own people that you selected going out the door at an alarming rate okay so I just think it comes down to one thing he has still somewhat of a power base that's covering his behind. And number two, I do believe they're scared of him. And I think when it gets down to it, when you don't when you get to a point where they don't have nothing else to lose, I think then you'll deal with him. Because there's enough information out there on the world wide web and and hidden emails and even for the most part, the Kremlin and the people in you know Russia and Syria, a lot of them came out openly saying that, yeah, we knew we had something to do with it, but you can't touch us. Sound like MC Hammer. I can't touch it. You can't touch this. But
0: uh
3: the point is the guy is living with a halo over his head. And I'm not gonna tell you it's a good halo or not. Hey, I'm not telling you there's an angel up there on this side. It could be, you know, I'll leave that alone. You know what the opposite of the angel, so I'm just going to leave it there. Okay, so unless anybody's going to call me or text me and somebody is texting me. Who in the heck is this? Huh. Somebody by the name of Malcolm. How you doing, um, let me type this in. How you doing, Malcolm? She's, no, he says, I have valid points, but your co-host has valid points too. Thanks, Malcolm. You are not helping me none, but I understand. And he will be sending me an email on the points that he thought was important.
0: Okay. Thank
3: you. Interesting. So, we will continue on with the next topic. And this is going to be something that's going to be interesting to talk about. And here is what I'm going to suggest first. When I was discussing this with some other friends of mine. Well, it's not like I have a whole lot of them, but when I was discussing some of the friends that still I didn't piss off yet. Um, uh, you remember back, hey, I can even go back maybe five or ten years ago when I was even up here. Remember how you used to be able to go in, well a lot of times it was in a lot of these Asian restaurants, but, or some of these convenience stores. There used to be an area you could go into the store, and go in the back and be like a little, you know, one of the little black drapes covering the the back end of the store. And you knew there was something bad back there. Or at least taboo. When you walk inside there and it's had the little peep show. Or you can get these X-rated movies and things of that nature. Yep. And how slowly, over time, over at least the last five or ten years the disappearance of these type of uh, facilities or at least the back ends of some of these convenience stores or whatever the case may be has dropped off the face of the earth. Now, there's still some out there, but it's just a half, a handful of them. And so I was curious about that. And here's the thing. They didn't go away they just became more business savvy and bought their basic storefront to the worldwide front called the internet, where you get video, boy, boy, what they call boyers, and online sexting, and what they do which is inter- well, it's not interesting it depending on who out there enjoys that. But what they do is they get it integrated and mixed in or intertwined whichever word you want to use, fancy word you want to use with all this online dating. So when you go to online dating sites, what usually happens, you pull up all of these, I call them smorgasbord, of different types of uh, online dating sites, and they get blended in. Well, here's the thing that I thought was very interesting, is how, well, I don't know they trick you into, how, how they entice you into paying for these different sites. And if you dig hard enough and deep enough, you'll find out, to a certain degree, there's only really three or four major, I guess you want to call them conglomerates. I mean, conglomerates of sex, I guess, I don't know. But uh, two or three major operations out there. And somehow they're intertwined with each other, intertwined with each other. And they're all part of one organization, or two or three. Because when you look at it, it's like... Now, let's separate the two. You have the online dating sites like eHarmony. Uh, I don't know, what's the other ones out there? There's eHarmony. Uh... There's
6: a lot of them, and you're right. They're all pretty much connected. There's eHarmony, there's my time, or our time, I'm sorry. Um
3: there's... You know, but the you know what I'm talking about, matchmaking.com, or something
6: like
3: that. Yeah. You know, uh, Christian ones, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all the different ones. Um, okay, uh, okay, Cupid. But here's the thing. Usually with eHarmony, and there's three of them that's related to eHarmony. I forgot the name of the other two. I don't have it written down, but I forgot. There's two more out there. I, I just forgot who they are. They're part of their own little... Um, grouping, who tends to be pretty straightforward, what you get, and how much it's going to be a fee for, but you ain't paying for sexual favors or or looking at certain things for the most part. But then you have, but see where where the problem is when you start researching and start looking at it. They're so blended in, so when you look at one, the other one pops up. But outside of that, when you look at the worldwide net globally, what happens is now you have that's the only thing I can say uh, empowerment. That's the only type of word I can use right now because. Women are more empowered on the on the worldwide web, and they set themselves up. Cause I think there was a, actually a couple movies came out that what got my interest on Netflix. I can't remember the name of them, where they talked about the magnitude of these type of uh, websites, where literally they're in competition with each other. That that's amazing to me it's like going to a strip jo- you know a strip jar, a strip jar, what do you mean a strip jar, a strip bar and you know all these different strippers are buying for your services you know to get paid or whatever well online they have these little um, sites where you know where they're rated one through 50 or 1 through 100, whatever the case may be, and what they do is they entice you with these little tokens or coins. But if you don't pay attention, you realize, if you don't pay attention and you're not like Mr. Snoopy, like me. Yeah, I'm a Snoop. I'm, I'm sorry, I am. But I just can't get away from my what I used to do. But if you pay attention and watch you realize that they're all part of one organization. And it's weird. And I had to say that because, to me, it was weird. Because I could not determine how they, they thought about it. Unless you have flags coming up on a regular basis and, it's, and somebody's being flagged for something that they might have had a past history with, how can you really, and somebody else told me the same thing. Well, they ought to try to secure it. How can you secure the web? All you can do, you could tell somebody that I'm, because what they do is, they, you know, they always tell you like you do anything else. Are you 18? And you say yes. And, or they use a credit card to determine whether or not you're 18 or not or a bank card or whatever the problem with that is you can go get granddad you can go get mom and dad if mom and dad ain't watching you and do whatever you want to do but here's the thing that got me the most is you can't police that site because a lot of those websites are not even um located domestically in the United States. Right? They are like, in third world countries, and superpower countries, and like, you know, I don't know, Russia, Ukraine, I'm like, are you kidding me? And, it's a big, multi-billion dollar business. so, It kind of hurt my, it kind of hurt my virgin ears, but you know I was kind of,
0: you
3: know, so it led me to these three topics, okay? One, the peeky boo shops did not go away; they just trend. I call them peeky boo, you know, boots that you know. At storefronts, you used to walk into mile Paul, little storefronts or whatever. Okay. It didn't. It didn't go away. It just transcended and transformed into online dating sites. That's what they call it, online dating sites or online um, let's get together sites, whatever the case may be. But number two, it's hard to police because you have to have local you know, police departments and federal departments on both sides of the fence to police this. And like I said, unless you get flagged personally for something that you already had a history with, it's hard to police. And here's the thing. I'm going to ask everybody out there, whoever is listening, and I was going to ask you to invite your uh, your friend, your late friend, us, you know, to the show, so, but since I had a problem with some technical because I couldn't get a hold of you soon enough, but, what friend, huh,
6: what friend, well, your friend,
3: you know, your housemate, your uh, roommate,
6: oh, okay, which one,
3: well, both of them, I guess, I mean, I thought, uh, so there's only one female roommate. There is. Oh, okay. But she didn't specify, so I didn't know which roommate she meant. Well, I'm actually female, but uh, your female friend. But you know, your uh, your male friend, he could have been asked the same question. I don't know if they're sitting there listening to this, or
6: no, this is not really his kind of thing.
3: <laughs> Say what? I didn't hear you.
6: So I said, this is not really his kind of thing. (laughs) Oh.
3: Okay. And, uh, your lady friend?
6: Oh, well, she definitely has an opinion on, you know, pretty much everything.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But she, she, uh, please tell me she's not sitting there listening to everything I'm saying, is she? No.
6: Oh. No, she's in the other
3: room. Oh. Well, she could have came out. I would invite her. But, um. I guess the next time, um, I would have her come on to the show, too, then. So, you know, I can get her opinion about certain things, too. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty pretty sure she would have an opinion about this. But my point is, it's a two-fold, actually, two-part question. Number one, what do you consider, or is there a cutoff? uh I don't know a cut off point as far as couples male on male, female and female, or whatever the case your whatever your choice is uh, gender but uh, what do you consider a cut off point if there is one in your opinion, as far as you know sexual romance and all that beyond a certain age? Do you th- well, I
6: don't think there should ever be a cutoff point from romance. I mean, let's be real. Romance is what keeps a relationship together. Okay.
3: Um, but that also includes, you know, uh, physical attraction, sexual, you know. Well,
6: yeah, if you're talking about sexual activity, that's, you know, different than romance.
3: Well, um, so a lot people, I would, the only reason I say that is because a lot of people love them together. But my... Uh, point I guess I'm getting across to you what do you consider a cutoff point as far as intimacy with you know physical attraction uh, physical sex and things of like that nature do you consider it to be a cutoff, or do you say there is no cutoff?
0: Uh, I don't think it's a cut
6: off I think as long as somebody is, is you know int- still has a sexual interest I don't think there is an age where you would no longer have that I mean, where you would, you know, I mean, that's, that's the wrong thing I, that came out wrong. I don't think there's an age where you should say, gee, I'm too old for sex. If you have that interest, and, you know, a lot of a lot of um, people talk about how things don't work the way that they used to, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, quite honestly,
3: oh, now that God. they have
6: the little blue pills, <laughs> it's not such a thing for men. <laughs> and even if it was... Um, if my male partner could no longer <laughs> get an erection that he was, you know, interested in pleasuring me other ways, that would be fine with me. Uh-oh. I mean, sex is so much more than intercourse.
3: Uh, well, so, I, I, Okay, I understand that. Uh, all too well. I understand that. I... Just wanted to uh, get your opinion because I usually... Uh, because, um... Uh, when I was working on my master's, I had, we had this debate, and I always said, man, come on, when, once you get over 57, 55, or 60, eh, you know, you need to just slow down and just leave that aspect of life alone, and a young lady, well, I said, young; yeah, she's still, she was in her bed 50, whatever, she almost bit my head off, I'm like, whoa, what? okay, calm down, calm down, I'm just saying my opinion is, she said, and then she told me, that's because you ain't never met someone like me, I'm like, okay, here we go, but roughly your opinion, and what you're saying, kind of meets with the survey I did when I was at school getting my, you know, working on my masters, and that age category tends to be higher than I anticipated, like, in the higher, mid-60s, some of them even said 70s. So, with that in mind, here's my next question. Well, next surprise, I shouldn't say a question, I don't know if it's really a question or not, but I did not realize the amount of individuals in their late 50s, early 60s they have online video sh- shows, entertainment, and things of that nature. Now, that one kind of surprised me. That's a pretty... I mean, like I said, this whole thing is a multi-billion dollar industry that's basically, to a certain degree, has took... Uh, what is it? Uh, porn or movies? You know, uh, all the big well I don't know how big they were but all the other Triple X movie studios you know porno and all that out the door because all you need now is just a cam a a decent camera camcorder decent mic and you got your own show yep which is kind of crazy but that's where we have taken the evolution of sex Now you can take it to the cameras, or to your camcorder, or to your cam, video cam, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, what is your opinion?
6: There are a lot of people who enjoy watching porn, and these are people that are of an age, and so for them, and I would put myself into this category, I have no real interest in watching somebody who's of what most people would consider the ripe age for porn, which would be probably 18 to 30. People that young, I just don't find them attractive. And I have several friends who feel the same way. You know, when they're watching porn, they want to watch somebody who's closer to their age. I have a couple of friends, in fact, who Kind of feel a little, you know, perverse when they're watching porn that has eighteen, nineteen, and twenty-year-olds because these are girls that could be their granddaughters, you well, know. See, and so it's just to them, it's they're too young for them to feel good about watching. If that makes sense. Well,
3: see, so here's my here's my deal, and here's my surprise too. Um, there, they could be there is there are individuals out there, young ladies out there, as young as 16, as long as they got a camera and know what they're doing, they do it. And to me, what you just said, I can't deal with that. I can't, that's just to me, it's beyond perversion to me. It's basically like you being a stalker. You're, to me, that's basically what it is. I mean, you are a predator. But you are and
6: if they're 16 you are
3: a predator because it's illegal for them to be doing it you know so it's but, for yeah but what I'm lying. saying uh, with the, because of the internet and because of the way it's set up and everything unless like I said before unless you have a history that could be dated and with a paper trail that could be uh, bought into play because of something that happened before, the individual can be tracked. You don't have that type of um, police force or enforcement out there to monitor all that.
6: Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Trust me on this one. Yes, you do. There are task forces who do nothing but go onto the internet and look for porn put out there by underage girls. And then they go in and track down every dirty old man who watched her take a shower. Yes, they are out there. They are.
3: Okay, and but I see. I
6: do this for a hard, cold fact.
3: But no, <laughs> what I'm saying is, um, uh, it's hard when they're not localized. When you, when you need to help. On both sides of the fence, extradition—you know, extradition papers and all that stuff—because in other countries, hey, they turned ahead to a lot of things. If
6: you're talking about porn that's coming from other countries. You're right; we have no way to really effectively monitor that. But if you're talking about the girls that are doing that that live in this country, yes, you can bet. If, no, no. If what you're, I'm saying you're is, visiting one of these girls and watching her stuff, then you can bet it's just a matter of time until they find you, because they are out there and they are watching.
3: Oh, no, no. What I'm saying is, that's why I made that statement earlier about the fact, unless you are able to coordinate your efforts with other countries, it's almost impossible to shut that down. Because you will need the help of other countries out there, and based on certain countries and their... um, social structure and their environment, their landscape, uh, their social etiquette, hey, to them, that's a way to make money. Right. Now, as far as locally here, like, you know, in you the know, United States or whatever, it ain't, it's not that hard to track down somebody. I know. I used to be into that. Uh, well, not into that, but into law enforcement. So, and once and like I said, once you get flagged, it's automatic. But it's just that when you look at things of this nature now and how it's evolved and it has evolved to a conglomerate of sorts, and we always talk about the fact that we are a very conservative um country. You know, we... But I guess in certain ways we do. We still are. And we still live in the 60s and 50s, 60s and 70s. But in other aspects, we are a lot more open to social etiquette that people don't want to admit to. Because things happen and that's just the way our evolution of ish, you know, social etiquette, social labels has expanded. Now, don't get me wrong. Once you get labeled, no matter what, or stigmatized, no matter what, you're going to be looked at differently anyway. I just did not realize to the amount of money that's being made off the net. I mean, I knew there's money out there to be made, but not, long, not in that nature, not to that degree. And now I see why a lot of these strip places, these strip uh, facilities, you know, are basically old dinosaurs now. Because all you have to have, like I said, is a good cam, a mic, and, hey, some lights, hey, you can do your own striptease and get paid. Yes, that
6: is very true.
3: So... I know you at one point talked about certain things, but uh, I'm not going to get into the details. But when you ask were
6: anything, I don't care.
3: <laughs> I'm not going to get into the details. I know you don't care, but I'm not getting into all the details. I'm just going to ask you one one question. When you was, you said you did phone call, you did call, phone call sex, phone, right?
0: Phone
6: sex, yes.
3: Okay. So, when you were doing that, did you make money at it? Was there really a lucrative money base?
6: Yes, there was.
3: Okay. So, not you know, I'm not trying to be disorient. Why did you quit? If the money was that good, I got bored. <laughs> okay.
6: You got to understand. I have. A very diverse history in the skin trade I've done phone sex I've done the videos I danced for quite a while. I had my own alcohol service I worked in massage parlors um, I did photos I mean if it was involving the skin trade, I pretty much was in it at one point in time or another um, and and I and that includes you know my time on the streets. I did that too I'm not ashamed of it so. You know, it's 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 easy to get bored, especially doing something like phone sex, because you're not actually meeting the people, and you can't really carry on a conversation with them because they're being charged by the minute, so they don't want you to ask, gee, how's the kids, how's the new puppy working out, did you ever buy that car? Well, no, I understand that, I mean... casual conversation, so it's easy to get bored.
3: I'm a, no, 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 um... I understand that. I'm just saying, um, I guess I never really looked at it as being bored, you know, get bored after a while, but I guess... Well,
6: you can get bored uh, at anything after a while. You
3: know, I guess you can get bored if it's not something that's a passion, because uh, um, I just always thought if it's a passion, something that people really wanted to do, they'll do it for their life. But, oh,
6: nobody has a passion for phone sex.
3: No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that, but it's just a fact. I not well. I know you can make money. I just didn't see the lucrative value in it. But hey, but
6: no. I mean, it was it was a good job. Don't get me wrong. I did it for a few years, but I've always been a more person to person person. I would rather be able to, and I think that's one of the reasons I liked working in the club so much was because if you weren't dancing for somebody, you were sitting at the table and either talking or doing something illegal. But point being is that you were there face-to-face and you could have a conversation with these guys. And I got to know my customers on, a, on an individual level. So I saw the faces. I would look at the pictures of their kids I'd go out to the parking lot to see the new car that they bought. You know, it was just, it was a it was a, a relationship, a connection, like a friendship. And I like that. Whereas with the bone sex, all you're doing is moaning and groaning and breathing hard. <laughs> and you do that 50 times a day, and it just gets boring. You know,
3: when you say that, and to that degree, yeah, I can see the boredom in there. It'd be like, okay, like. Are you done uh, moaning and everything? Yeah, okay. You didn't do anything for me, but okay, yeah. Yeah. I just,
1: How many
6: different ways can you say, oh, Daddy, do you like it when I touch you there? I
3: don't you know, know.
6: I mean, there's just not a lot of versatility.
3: I don't know. Uh, um when it happens well, like, to me I'll, you tell I'll,
6: me
3: how you like it <laughs> you know I mean I don't want creativity either when it happens I'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> what, what? <laughs> when it happens uh, to that
0: degree I will let you know <laughs> um <laughs>
3: Speaking of that, let's just uh, continue on here. (laughs) Um, Like I was speaking earlier about that, we in a country look at sex as a taboo to a certain degree. We still treat women a certain way and we still value women, to me, less. So when you see them on these video cams and they doing it for themselves or whatever the case may be, all I can look at is the fact that they, it's, it's a way of empowerment for them. They don't have to worry about safety, they don't have to worry about security, they don't have to worry about things of that nature. and. It's a way for them to make money. Now, whether it's socially acceptable, that's up to you to choose. Whether or not it's socially the right thing to do, that's up to you to choose. But I'll be back with some closing comments on that. And closing comments for Ronnie. And this is G.E. Shaw. And this is Mixed On Radio Tonight. And we will be back if we don't get chewed out off the air. This is G.E. show I'll be back in five.
7: Can't take the heat. There's a fire starter sparking up the beat. Someone come call 911 for me. so I did i forgot forgotten how to breathe.
8: Moves.
7: Take a shot at two, we'll rock to the moon Full of stars and looks of all Intoxicated on you, intoxicated. Say, oh my God. Doesn't matter, call me crazy, but darling, I look so amazing on you. Intoxicated, say, oh my God. Yeah! I don't know if you can take it though. Oh! I intoxicated. I don't intoxicated. I know if
0: you can
7: take it though. I intoxicated. I intoxicated. I intoxicated. With you, it don't matter what I do. No, that gets me quicker than the thicker side of you. Oh, you. I can't hear a word you're saying, cause I'm just too intoxicated. Honey.
3: some things to think about. But here's my closing comments. Number one. This country has been divisive. It's more divisive now than I ever seen it. We need to figure out a way to bring unity, collaboration back together if possible. Because we don't this world, this country will implode from Within, We don't have to worry about any outside threats, because we will be our threat. Number two, no matter how old you are, if you, feel the, if you feel romantic, if you feel an attraction, if you feel like you still want to commit to a sexual relationship, even in your 60s or 70s, to me, it's your choice, it's your person, and if your other partner want to commit to that too, it's no one else's concern but yours. Sex is a universal thing. Compassion is universal. Even love is universal. If you combine them all together, what you have is nothing but a universal unity that can go on forever. We're human beings. As I've been told before, we are fallen, which means we have our inadequacies. But we also have the ability to come together to respect each other, to show integrity and love. That's it for me and Ronnie. Say goodnight, Ronnie.
6: Goodnight, Ronnie.
3: And this is G.E. Shaw, Our Radio Tonight. And I will be back tomorrow with Ronnie and Friends and a special guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Until then, I'll see you next week, but you can join me on Friday and Saturday night. And, before I forget, we are bringing back Sunday's Best. Some of the best gospel music from the indie world musicians, gospel singers. That's what we do here. And, like I said before, if you want to voice your opinion, this platform was created for one reason. I did not look for money, I did not look for success, things of that nature. I wanted a place where my friends or people who want to talk can carry on conversations about everything and find solutions. Or maybe ask questions about things that need to be remedied or rectified. Until now, we have not chosen to do all these things. But hopefully, we will learn. This is G.E. Shaw. This is Mixar Radio. Have a good night. And I leave you with February. John Van S featuring Tyree. Thank you.